discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Father, we give you glory. We give you praise. We acknowledge that you are God. You are God of all the earth and all of the heavens. And you are the God of our lives. We are submitted to you, Lord. We bow down and worship at your feet because there's none like you. You are the one who's strong and mighty in battle. The Lord who none can compare to. It is to you that we sing these glorious songs. It is to you that we pour out our hearts of love to. Thank you so much. You are worth more than what we ever do. We love you with all of our hearts. We love you with all of our hearts. You are great and greatly to be praised. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and for giving us the opportunity to be in your presence. We are grateful and we are thankful. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a shout. Why do we shout? There's something to shout about. There's something to be gloriously excited about. Brothers and sisters, if you don't know anything, know that you would have been going to hell if Jesus had not died. I don't know whether you know about hell. I don't know whether you, you've ever felt uh, the pain of fire before. It's not a joke, isn't it? If you don't have anything to shout to God about, just shout that he has saved you and brought you to himself. Hallelujah. Yeah. If he has done this, what else can't he do in your life? Stop thinking about your problems. The Bible says that if he did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If he gave us, his, if he did not prevent his son from coming to us and dying for us, I wouldn't allow my son to die for anybody. No matter how much you cancel me. I won't. I, I won't. Even if he wants to die to save my life, I will not let him do it. But God released his son for you. If you were the only one on earth, he would still have come to die for you. Can you imagine? That's how important you are. If you were the only one here on earth. Look at your neighbor's face. Tell your neighbor, if you were the only one here on earth, he would still have come to die for you. That is how important you are. That is how much he, he considers you. You know, that's that. Yeah, you are worth his son. Is that not amazing? Hey. When you are thinking about Jesus, don't think in, in generic terms like he came to die for all of us. It's true, he came to die for all of us. But he came to die for you. Yeah, 
you are special. So there's something to shout about, isn't it? Yeah. The future is bright, right? But there's something to shout about. John Wesley said the greatest of all is that God is with us. He knew that God was with him, so he didn't, he wasn't afraid of anything. There's something better than that. God is inside you. He's with you and in you. Going in you and going with you. When you stretch forth your hands, it's God who has stretched forth his hand. Is that not amazing? He says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He says, I will walk in them and I will dwell in them. I will perambulate in them. They shall be my people and I shall be their God. It has happened practically right now. You have become the temple of the living God. Yeah, you have become the temple. And the Bible says that in the temple of God, all the people shout glory. That's what the Bible says. It says in the temple of the Lord, all the people shout glory. So there are shoutings in the temple of God. It's, it's not the temple of God is not a quiet place. There was a day Jesus was preaching, and someone said, Blessed be the womb that bore you, and the paps that fed you, or the breast that gave you milk. While Jesus was preaching, he just shouted. So there's nothing wrong with shouting in the house of God. It's not bad at all. It's a very good thing. Give the Lord a shout! Psalm 29 verse 9. He says, The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. That's the voice of the Lord. It strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says, Glory! That's why we shout glory in the house of God. It's not because we've lost our minds. Hallelujah. It's a, it's a direction from the Lord. It's, it's, it's a message from God to you and I. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may take your seats in the heavenly places where you belong. Today I want us to do something very special. We are going to have a question and answer session today. Now, it's a very important time. We don't just do that for nothing. Okay? We don't do that because we don't have anything to say to you. It's just like um, being in school. When you are given information, you are allowed to also ask questions so that things can be clarified for you. This is the time when the Son of God can go from something that is basic to something that is very high in the kingdom of God and come back to something that is in the middle of the kingdom of God and go back down and come up. That's how it works. You can ask one question and the Son of God will explain a lot and show you a lot of things. Do you understand? So it's a very, very, very important time. It's not there. It's not um, like, you see, we wouldn't, we would never have had um, the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually not the Lord's Prayer. They said, teach, Lord, teach us how to pray. The Lord's Prayer is actually in John chapter 17. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Look at John chapter, so it has started, isn't it? John chapter 17 from verse 1. Jesus spoke these words. Then these words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, so he started praying, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Verse 2. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Have you seen it? Now, the other side, which we call the Lord's Prayer, is actually God teaching us, Jesus teaching us how to pray. It's not his prayer. It was, he says, after this manner, therefore, pray. 
He gave us a way, a method. That doesn't mean that say that same prayer every single time you are praying. When you are, when you are praying, every time you say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He gave us a method or a manner. Do you understand? Or you don't understand what I'm saying? But his prayer, what he prayed, he prayed for you and I. If you read this place in John chapter 17, you'll be shocked at what Jesus prayed for you. You'd be surprised that Jesus prayed with you in mind. So this was actually his prayer. This was the Lord's prayer. Okay? Look for the other one for me. Our Father who art in heaven. There's one in Matthew. Matthew chapter what? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Okay. But go up. Go to verse, go to verse 7. And let's see what is written there. It says, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as a heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Do you understand that? Do you understand that particular uh, statement? You understand it? If someone is praying, God do it, 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 God do it. The person is using, he's saying the same thing. Eh? God, throughout for like 30 minutes, you are saying, Eradi you are changing your position. Nothing is changing, it's only your position that is changing. Hallelujah. This is the Amplified. It says, and when you pray, do not heap up phrases, multiply words, repeating the same ones over and over as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their mouth speaking. And he gives us an, a reference in 1 Kings 18, 25 to 29. What is written there in 1 Kings 18 is concerning Baal, when Baal's prophets were praying. Okay, they use, they use just one, one word, Baal respond to us, Baal respond, and they said it for throughout the day. But nothing was heard. Hallelujah. Yeah. Okay, but you go back to Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 9, where we're reading. Matthew chapter 6, rather. But when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Verse 9, verse 8. But be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. You see, he says, after what? This manner, therefore, pray. This does not mean that Jesus was always praying this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, start your prayer by praising and worshiping God. Don't start your prayer by making requests. Immediately you start. So you start, Father, you know that I'm in trouble. Sort me out before something bad happens to you. You are not praying. That's why when you come to church, one of the first things we do is to worship the Lord. Worship is so important. If you pay attention to worship, you'll be surprised at how many times you receive answers to your, your prayers. If only you pay attention to worship. A lot of people don't, it's like, we are just singing. Worship is not singing. We sing in worship. A lot of people have it in their minds that praises is when the song is very fast and we can dance. No. Doesn't mean that, that's not what it means. Okay. Praises is anything that has God in perspective. And has God, lifting God up. You can't lift God up, but I understand what I'm saying. How can you lift God up? You can't lift God up. <laughs> Who are you to lift God up? You can't. Okay? But what you are doing is that you are, you are, you are, the Bible says that we should make confessions to his name. We should give praises to his name. We should talk of his wondrous works and his glorious deeds, the things he has done. Look at Psalm 105. Let's read from verse 1. It's, Psalm 105 is praises. Okay, the whole of Psalm 105 is praises because praises has to do with recounting what God has done and acknowledging Him for what He has done. Hallelujah. 
Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Make known what? His deeds among the people. So praise has to do with talking about the deeds of God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Verse 2. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. This talk, sing psalms by talking ye of all of his wondrous works. What has he done? So you can have your own praises. You can, you can design your own praise. With what God has done in your life. You understand? Yeah. And it's good. You have to, you have to remember. So when, when we are praying, when we are doing praises, that you have to think on the words that are being sung in the songs. Okay? Or if there's words that are being sung in the songs are not words that are moving you, think about the things that has happened in your life over the years. You'll be surprised at what it will do, it will do for you. You will stop complaining and blaming God. You start becoming appreciative of God in your life. Hallelujah. Talk ye of his wondrous works. Verse, verse 3. Glory ye in his holy name. Have you seen it? These are means and ways of praise. Glory ye in his holy name. In other words, enjoy yourself in his name. Enjoy yourself in what his name does and what it can do and what it's going to do for your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was at the mention of the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow and every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To, to the glory of God the Father. So when you are when you are praying and you think about that, man, it means that when I mention the name of Jesus, it's going to work on my behalf. Whatever is happening around me will bow. Makes no difference what it is. Then it, it it causes you to become excited and helps you to even shout more to God, sing more to His name, sing with meaning. It's called praising with understanding. Understanding what praise does. You see, understanding what praise does. For instance, there's a very wonderful example. So many of them in the Old Testament and so many of them in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, in, in, in uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20, we see um, Jehoshaphat and the children, of, or the children of Judah going for war. The Bible says that Mount Seir had come against them. The, uh, Moab, the Moabites have also come against them. And the Ammonites also, had also come against them. Three of them had come together. To come and come and beat them and kill them and destroy them and take them out of the earth. And Jehoshaphat saw the number of the, the soldiers and he was moved. Obviously, there were, were millions actually. He was moved. He didn't know what he was going to do. Have you seen the million soldiers before? Recently, just two days ago, I was watching the Iraqi war in 1990, 1991. And as I was watching it, I saw how uh, America sent 250,000 soldiers to, to, to Iraq. They sent them to Saudi Arabia. They landed in Saudi Arabia and fought through Kuwait to Iraq. You know, because the Iraqis are taking over Kuwait for oil and were planning to come and take Saudi Arabia for more oil. If they are taking Saudi Arabia, they would have had half of the, the wealth of oil of the world. And with that, Saddam Hussein could have done anything. The world in which we know, the world we are living in today and the world we know today wouldn't have been the way it is now if he had done that. So America decided to fight. And they brought 250,000 soldiers and they, they gave a shot of the soldiers. Charlie, it wasn't easy. And he's saying, the soldiers down. This is times four. Do you, do you know 250,000 people? Have you ever seen some gathered at one place before? So it's a lot of people. Okay, a lot of people. And Joseph was, the Bible says he was moved. He didn't know what to do. He didn't, so they, decided, they started fasting and praying. And as they fasted and prayed, God 
through one of the prophets, spoke to them and said that, listen, this battle is not going to be your battle. I'm going to fight for you. Just relax. All you need to do is to put trumpeters in front of the army with jazz players and cymbals and all that. Eh? And shout and praise my... Look, look at it. It says, okay, this is verse 17. Second Chronicle chapter 20, verse 17. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Verse 18. And Joshua bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. Verse 19. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Kohites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Jerusalem, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and it shall be established. Believe his prophets and so shall be shall ye prosper. And when he had considered the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise what? That should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord for his mercy endure it forever. This was what they were doing. They were praising the beauty of holiness. What were they? What, what does that mean? When we say praise the beauty, praise you the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. What does that mean? What do you think it means? According praising God according to his uniqueness. There are things that nobody else can do. Who is the one who has uttered the, the air to be moving around? Have you ever seen air before in your life? You had contact with the air. You, you, you and the air sat down and spoke. No matter which president is in the world. No matter who it is. Nobody can tell the air where to blow from and where to go. There are people who let you think that, oh, nobody's in charge of it. It's just nature. Nature is the one. What, what do you mean by nature? What is nature? Who, who, who is, who's in charge of nature? How come nature just knows how to order itself? How come the trees don't grow downwards? How come the trees grow upwards? Who is doing those things? How come the earth is not finishing? You get it. The earth is not finishing. The wind is blowing. We are planting things. We are taking things off the ground. We are building stuff. But the earth is not finishing. It's still there. How come the sun does not come closer to your window every single day? You wake up in the morning, you open your window, and the sun is closer. Hey, the sun is closer today. What is going on? It's nothing like that. The sun knows its course. It knows when to rise and when to fall. And all those things, the moon knows when to appear. Who is the one who has altered it? If we should move just an inch closer to the sun, all of us will die. If we should move an inch away from the sun, all of us will freeze to death. Earth is positioned at the right place, at the right time, for the right purpose. Who is the one? If there is no architect for that, then I don't know what we are talking about. Did your phone just appear in your hand? You do this, and the phone appeared in your hand. Is there anything like that? Did your house, the house you are sleeping in, it came, you were just moving in the area, you saw that place, and then you do this. And then it came. Is there anything like that? There were people involved. There were architects involved. There were builders. There were people, there were people who were involved in this construction. Why do you think that the, the world in which we are living, in this beauty and all that it is, was not made by anybody? Was not, does not have an altar? Or an originator. It came by accident, by an explosion. They call it the Big Bang Theory. That's the beginning of madness. It's just, it's just, it's just saying that you are, you are just trying to push God out of the system. Everything. The Bible says that nature speaks of Him. Everything around us speaks of Him. So there are things that nobody can do. It is His holiness, and it is His just nature that has made them happen. So He says, praise Him in the beauty of holiness. 
Do you see? That's what we're doing. And when they did that, the Bible says, as they did that, praise the Lord for his mercy and the And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which came against Judah, and they were smitten. Look at the next verse, verse 23. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir. Just instantly, they came together. They came together. They had three different countries come together against Judah and Jerusalem with an agreement. They were all soldiers fighting together. They have put their army together. All of a sudden, the children, the Bible says, for the children of Ammon and Moab, the children of Ammon and Moab decided together, in just a, a second, let's kill all those soldiers in Mount Seir. And they killed all the soldiers of Mount Seir. And when they had finished killing them, eh, utterly to slay and destroy them, and when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Mount of Seir, everyone helped to destroy one another. They helped to destroy, they just decided to destroy one another and killed one another. The Bible says that Israel came to come and see Spoil. They came to come and see gold and and good things. Do you understand? When someone is going for war, the person goes with everything. That's what they were doing. You go sometimes. They even went with their wives and children because the war could last for four months or six months. They fight, 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 fight during the day. By five p.m., it's like work. They start fighting at eight. By five, they are tired. So five. Okay, okay, it's okay. So if you are coming to kill someone and it's five o'clock, you don't kill the person. Okay, you can go home tomorrow. Then they'll go and go and rest. The following day, they come and come and control. Sometimes they can rest for three days, four days, five days. They can do that. That's what was happening during those times. So they can, they walk, sometimes they walk and go for uh, one year, even one year. Even one year. Julius Caesar took a certain city. Okay, this is how he took the city. I've forgotten the name of the city. It's a, it's a famous war, actually. Not Troy, no. Julius Caesar was later, 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 later. Troy was earlier. Yes, Julius Caesar was later on. I've forgotten the, the, the name of the city. But what it was that the, 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 the people had very high walls so that you can't, you can't come in. Okay? So he, he also built another wall. He built another wall around the, the city. And the people were inside. He built another wall around it. And then built another wall behind him. Do you get it? So three walls. The people's wall. Between the people's wall and his wall, was, there was some distance. So he surrounded them. Then behind him and his army, he built another wall to prevent anybody from coming in. So if they have... And the people had allies. Their allies were supposed to come and come and fight for them. Now, their allies were very, very far. They were at least three months away. They needed to walk for three months and get there. Okay? So Julius Caesar didn't want the people... You say you won't come out, so stay, stay, stay in your place. Your supplies will end. Your food supplies will end. He, saw, he surrounded so they can't. nobody can bring food inside. They were going to eat all the food. He knew the time that their allies were also going to get there. It would take at least three months. And the food supplies in there cannot last for three months. So he built a wall. He used one man to build one wall, another man to build another wall. And the people were inside. Cut supplies of food, water, everything. And the people were just getting hungry. After some time, you know what they did? They sent all their women and children outside their gates, their original gates, so that your sister will see the women and children and have pity on them. But he didn't mind them. He told them, go back into the city. Can you imagine they even, they even, they, they, were, they became so hungry, they started chopping their children up to eat. And when that happened, you see, when dead bodies lie around for a long time, some of them died out of hunger, all that, and a plague started in the city. They were compelled to open the city gates. And Julius Caesar took the city after about four months. And the allies couldn't come. They got to realize that oh, it's too late. They went back. So wars could be fought for months. 
years, some strategies for years. Hallelujah. So they'll come with all kinds of food, drinks, everything. So spoil of war is actually a very wild thing. Okay? And Mount said, this is one million people. You can imagine how much they have brought along with them. So it's not an easy thing. The Bible says that Israel walked into the place and found plenty spoil and used three days to gather all this. They used three days to gather the gold, the silver, the precious stones, the food, the, all the things that were there. They used three days. Eh? Second Chronicles 20, 25. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with their dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spell. It was so much. They spent three days. Now, this is something that was terrible. A period of darkness. Why many people have gathered against us? Time of trouble. What did Israel do? They praised. When they praised, what happened? God acted on their behalf. They didn't, they didn't even lift. Nobody fought with one sword. Do you understand? So what do you do in your darkest of times, in your darkest of moments? That's not when to be complaining. Father, I don't know. You'll be chewing your fingers. I, I don't know, brother. Pressure is too much. You are praying. That's your prayer. That's not prayer. You are complaining. You are not praying. What you are supposed to do is to start praising the beauty of his holiness. If you have done this, what can't you do? There's this musician who sang a song. If he did it before, he would do it again. The same God back then. The same God right now. Have you heard that song? Yeah. If he did it before, he would do it again. Same God back then. Same God right now. If he did it before, he can do it again. Same God back then. Oh, same God right now. You should be singing such songs. And as you sing such songs, you'll be, you realize that your, you see, your, your person is very important. Success is actually an investment of your personality. What kind of a person you are. Okay? It is what you are that flows out of you. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why the word of God is what makes you a success. Because the word of God gets you to invest, make investments into your life. Okay? And it helps you to know how to behave in different situations and in different times. There's nothing like knowing what to do at different times. The, the, the failure of humanity is not knowing what to do at different times. That's the failure of humanity. If you like, check everything. The fail of humanity is that we don't know what to do at different times. But when you invest your life with the word of God, it teaches you what to do at every point in time in your life. It says you know that the soul of God is in you and he teaches you all things. He will teach you what to do. Hallelujah. What would you have done if you were Jehoshaphat? What would you have done? Maybe you would have told the people, Charlie, you have to use seven swords. One here, one here, one here, one here. So that you could be going around like this. So you'll be cutting, you can cut seven people at the same time before you die. But he sought God and God gave him a strategy, showed him what exactly to say, praise me, just praise me. And it's a, it's, a, it's a statute, it's something that is there, it's something that God has established. In the time of darkness, don't complain. In the time of darkness, praise the beauty of holiness. Are you going to do that? Yeah. Let that investment be in your spirit. 
so that when challenges come, you don't come, you don't run all over the place complaining to everybody. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's going on. You are not getting. You want to marry? Marriage is not coming. What are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to tell everybody, Charlie? When the guys see me, they just do this. They just how do you say "bubeni chain" in English? They do what? They are you? No, no, no. Are you? Are you like this? How do you how do you say that in English? When you do this, when someone does this to you. Where's Florence? Because Florence would have given us the English word. Yeah. When they see me, they don't do they don't they don't say anything. They will say I. You're expecting to love you, but nothing comes. They say I. Jesus is Lord. And they will pass by. Oh, Pastor, my heart. What are you supposed to do? Praise. Praise. Eh? Praise God. Praise God. You marry. Three years, no child. What are you supposed to do? Praise. That's a time of back, isn't it? Praise God. Celebrate God for victory. Aye, God has given me victory. Aye, dance. Just have a just have a party on your own in your room. Put a song, a very well song on, and dance to the glory of God. You see, Christians must do such things. Oh, that is what will bring you victory. Nothing else will bring you victory. Don't wait till Sunday. Put a song on as you're driving. Aye. God has given him victory. Yes, moving behind your. God has. Hallelujah. Just moving like that. Happy, excited. You shouldn't. There shouldn't be any spirit of doubtness. You are thinking. You are thinking so much. You see, thinking about things drowns you. You are meditating on the wrong thing. It drowns you. It pushes you down and down and down and down. Worrying will kill you. That is what the Bible says, that be anxious for nothing. Do you understand that particular word of God? It says be anxious. He, the word of God teaches you how to behave in different situations. It says be anxious for nothing. Don't have anxiety. Do you know anxiety? Anxiety is not, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. The thing, what, you can think about it, it's not, it's not working. You can think about it till you die. Nothing will still change. Jesus said that how many of you, eh, having thought, have added one cubit to your own height? No, I, what, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing that? Oh, Ghana girl. Oh, Ghana girl, what is wrong with you? Why are you thinking so much? You're thinking too much. It's going to kill you. you. You are drowning yourself. They say when there's life, there's everything, isn't it? When life is snapped out of you, nothing else can happen. God wants your life preserved. That's why he says, be careful for nothing. This is, the, this is Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. He says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, be, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Hmm? Let your request be made known unto God. This is what you are supposed to do. Let's read the Amplified. Amplified is nicer. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Can you do this? Yeah. Tell anybody, can you do this? Be a doer. Tell anybody, be a doer of the word. Not a hearer only. Deceiving your own self. So when trouble comes, what are you supposed to do? Make your request known unto God. And refuse to be anxious about anything. There's a story, famous story about this woman uh, in, 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 in the UK. During the Second World War, when Hitler... Uh, had a, had an air they had an air strike in uh, whatever in UK they were bombing buildings in London and this particular area had been bombed so much 
you know, they, so they had, people had come out of their houses and were being kept in a, in a secure place. But there was this woman they couldn't find in the area. You know? So after the bombings, when they were all talking, they saw the woman walking from where the, the bombings had been taking place, coming. There was an older woman. So they were wondering, ah, mommy, what's happened? Grandma, what's happened? We were all here, where were you? He said, oh, I was sleeping. And they said, I missed all the bombings. Just as I was sleeping, God says that he neither sleeps nor slumbers. <laughs> If I don't sleep, that will make two of us. We <laughs> are sleeping. It's a waste of resources. I'm wasting my mind. I'm wasting my time. So she slept because she knew that God says that he never sleeps nor slumbers. He watches over us with all of his heart. He has us in, his, in the palm of his hand. He says that we are the apple of his eye. Yeah, so if you are, you are, you are getting what you start mentioning some of these things to yourself. You see, that's what it means to make confessions to his name. You start confessing his goodness. Start making confessions concerning what he is and what he has done and what he is doing. Hallelujah. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite request with, is this, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. That's all. That's, just let God know what, what's going on and relax. Because God is in control and you are in control with God. Paul and Silas were beaten. Did you hear the guy who said Paul and his wife Silas? Silas was not Paul's wife. Silas cannot be a woman. Silas was a guy. The guy said Paul and and his wife Silas had their son Timothy crying so much because they were were kept kept in prison. You know, Paul said Timothy was a son. So the guy thought Timothy was Paul's biological son. And Silas was the one who gave birth to (laughs) <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, make your request known unto God. Hmm? Paul and Silas were beaten. Their backs were bleeding. New Testament. You are doing a good thing for the Lord. And we're captured. The fact that you are doing the Lord's work does not mean that everything will go now. Hey, Christians, I don't understand why a lot of Christians <laughs> think in a certain way. The fact that you are doing something in the house of God does not mean that everything will be fine. The fact that you're worshipping God does not mean that everything will be fine. Life has been designed to make things not fine. I preached that last week Sunday, isn't it? Life has been designed to make things not fine. Things are not supposed to be fine. They are not going to be fine. I've forgotten this. The Bible says that you have an adversary. The devil. He is committed to destroying your life. That's his job. He's sworn to his own head that if he doesn't destroy you, he will not be happy. He has taken oaths, different kinds, at different times in your life. She will see, Pepe. <laughs> Karen. Shalabaya. They were speaking in tongues. Yeah. First Peter chapter 5, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Do you know adversary? The word adversary means an opposer. He's an opposer. The one to oppose you. Diabolos, isn't it? <laughs> That's a Greek word for adversary or devil. It means diabolos. Adversary, accuser, eh? destroyer. And he's called the God of this world. His job is to destroy. His job is to make your children fall sick and die. The child that you have looked for, ah, now he just wants to destroy the child. Hey! His job is to let someone break your heart and cause you to be mad. You think about it and then you just go off. 
you be saying Kofi. Me and Pan, why am I saying Kofi? Am I the one you have done this to? Kofi, you be saying before you realize your shirt is off. You are just removing your bra, small, small. Hey, that's his job. And he's there, he's present. He doesn't sleep, nor slumber. He's a spirit, he's also doing his thing. But at the same time, God is also committed to protecting you. Okay? He's committed to. Now, go, go, this is 1 Peter 5 8, isn't it? Go to verse 7. He says, casting all your care. Let, let's read that. Go, go to verse 6. Let's see what it will say. This is what I want you to see. But he says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your what? Your care upon him, for he cares for you. Let's read the Amplified. Amplified is nice. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. This is God's job in your life. He cares about you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. There's nothing that can go against you. Even the devil is in his plans. The devil is, is in his plans. All the things that he's doing is part of his plans. The Bible says that if the devil and his cohorts had known that by crucifying Jesus, Jesus would have come out in glory and all of us would be born again. Because before Jesus died, everybody was headed to hell. Whether you were Isaac or Jacob or Abraham or whoever you were, anybody who died was kept in bondage in hell. There were different compartments in hell. There was a nicer part in hell, but they were still in bondage. The nicer part of hell was called Abraham's bosom. There's a place in, you see, it's called the land of the dead. The Bible calls it Sheol or Hades. Okay? Or the land of the dead. Everybody who dies goes there. Before Jesus came and died and resurrected. Everybody who died went there. Have you ever heard of the story concerning Moses' body? When Moses died. If Moses had died and his body had been kept with Israel, Israel would have worshipped Moses' body. You know that? Because Moses was too powerful. Moses was their God. The gap between Moses and Aaron was like from here to your hometown. It was very big. Aaron was, not, was nowhere close to Moses when it comes to spiritual things. When Moses and Miriam complained about Moses and some things that he had done, God came down and said that if there's a prophet amongst you, I'll talk to him in shadows, in dark scenes, in all that. I'll do that. But when it comes to Moses, I don't do that. You see, they were saying that, has God spoken only by Moses? God has not spoken by us. Miriam and Aaron were saying that. It's true, God has spoken by them, but he has spoken to them in dark sayings. Shadows and all that. So God told them, listen, if when it comes to you people, I talk to you in dark sayings and all those things. But when it comes to Moses, I talk to him mouth to mouth like a friend. I talk to him mouth to mouth. We have chats. He counsels me, I counsel him. Who are you? What are you? What are you? That was all God said, and God left. When God left, Miriam became leprous. Okay? Aaron, was, Aaron died that same day. He didn't, he didn't show forth physically because he was wearing the priestly robe. When they took the priestly robe off him now, he died immediately. Moses was so powerful. If he had died before Israel, Israel would have kept his body and worshipped him. Hallelujah. So God said, Moses, go into the mountain and go and die. God told him, come, I'll show you the land of Canaan. You will see it, but your feet will not go there because God, he disrespected God at a the point. 
So God told him, go into the mountain and go and die. When Moses got into the mountain, looked at the land of Canaan and everything, then he died after. He just died, just like that. And when he died, the Bible says that Satan came to come and come and take his body or take him away. Why did Satan come to come and take him away? Because that was Satan's legal right. Because Adam gave the keys of hell and death to... to do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Is what I'm saying just a story to you? It's in the Bible. It's all in the Bible. Okay? So the Bible says that they, dis- they were disputing if you go is, uh, one is found in Jude. Jude, Jude. Jude is just chapter 1. Jude 1, I think, verse 9 or so. You see it. He says, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Let's read a lighter version so we understand it. Amplify. Let's read the amplify. But when even the archangel Michael contending with the devil judicially argued, disputed about the body of Moses, he dared not presume to bring an abusive condemnation against him, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. So something like this happened when Moses died. There was an argument between the devil. And Michael, Archangel Michael, Michael had, had come to come and take Moses' body and take Moses away to heaven. You know, Moses didn't go to the land of the dead. It was illegal. So, his Bible says, judicially, you see, he judicially argued his case against the devil. Because the devil had the right to bind all of them. Isaac was not taken by God. Isaac went to the land of the dead and was kept in a place called what? Abraham goes up. Abraham himself died and went to the, that same place. It was called after his name because he walked with God and sought for a city whose maker and builder was God. All of them Isaac, Jacob, David, Joseph, who else? Noah, Abel, Seth, Enoch. Enoch didn't go there. Enoch was also taken away by God to heaven, straight away. So Enoch, Elijah, and Moses were the only three people who didn't go to the land of the dead. There were only three people who God took. Even that one, they were not in the heaven of heavens. They were there, but they weren't in the heaven of heavens. Hallelujah. How many of you understand what I'm saying? They, weren't take, they, they didn't die. It's amazing. So in Matthew chapter 27, okay, Matthew chapter 27, let's read from verse 52. Matthew 27 from verse 52. When Jesus died, the Bible says that as soon as he died, the graves, let's read, go up, go to verse 50. So that makes more sense, okay? Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. He died. And when he died, he says, Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two, or was torn into two, from the top to the bottom, meaning that was the human being was responsible. It tore from the heaven, from the top to the bottom. It was very high. The temple curtain was higher, it was like twice this height. Twice this height. It wasn't a small thing. Then he says, and the earth did quick. There was an earthquake. And the rocks rent, or the rocks were divided into pieces. Rocks were just breaking. Mountains were shaking when Jesus died. Can you imagine? Isn't it remarkable? Yet they still don't believe in him. <laughs> and the Bible says, and the graves were opened. All the graves in Israel opened. And mon- many bodies of the saints which slept. The word slept means who had died. Many bodies of the saints who had died arose. When the day arise, look at the next verse, verse 53. And came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Can you imagine? 
So when Jesus died, the graves, all the graves of good men, saints who had died of old, you remember their sepulchres were there. Their graves were there. Okay? When Joseph died, was dying, he said that, I know you guys will be getting out of Egypt. When you are going, take my bones with you and bury me where you go. So his bones were in Israel. Where, where they planted his bones opened. And they all came out of the graves the day Jesus resurrected. And the amazing thing is that they appeared unto many people in Israel. Some will be farming, 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 cutting things. Then Jacob will appear. Oh, hail! Jesus has risen from the dead. Salvation has come to us, yet they don't believe. Can you imagine? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. The Bible says, if the devil had known that by crucifying Jesus, those who were in the grace would arise and go to heaven with him. Because when Jesus was ascending to heaven, he arose and ascended into heaven with all these people. They were, the Bible calls them a cloud of witnesses. They were as a cloud hanging in the air, waiting for Jesus to enter into heaven before they enter. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. You see it in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. You've read Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You've never read verse 9. Verse 9 is also there. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. He's talking about Jesus. He says Jesus was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. A cloud what? received him out of their sight. The word cloud there is actually a condensation of people. That's what it means. If you check the Greek, that's what you see. A condensation of people. Okay? Or a mass of people, a host of people. Received him out of their sight. Then, look at the next verse. Verse 10. And while they looked, the disciples were looking steadfastly into the heavens. They were looking steadfastly toward the heaven as he went up. Behold, two men appeared, stood by them in white apparel. Angels, of course. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heaven? Why are you looking into the heaven like that? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall, so, in, shall show, so come in like manner. He shall come back the same way he was taken away. As ye have seen him go into heaven. So how is Jesus going to come? 14. Yes, 14. Go to verse 14. Jude 1, 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. Have you seen it? So the Lord what? The Lord will come with 10,000 of his saints. Meaning that he went with 10,000. He went with saints. So he's going to come with saints. People, he went with people. Look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. You see another one there. Concerning how Jesus will come. Then you said, This same Jesus whom you see going shall in like manner come back. Shall return in the same way. Since behold, he cometh with what? With clouds. Have you seen it? How did he go? He went with clouds. This one too says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Go to Revelation chapter 19. Let's read verse 14. Revelation 19, 14. Have you seen it? And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white. Let's read from verse. Talk so that we understand it more. Okay, from verse 11. And I saw heaven opened. This is Jesus is coming. What they have been prophesying about. This, this is it. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. Verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a, a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with white, with a white vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Verse 14. Then he says, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine lining, white and clean. He says, I saw heaven open. Jesus was coming. 
and the armies which were in heaven were following him. Which armies? He's not talking about angels. He's talking about saints, you and I. And all those who went with him during that day. You'll find it in verse 7, right? Go up to verse 7. You'll find that what I'm saying there. You see this word clothing in fine lining, white and clean, isn't it? Verse 7, he says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Who is the wife of the Lord? The wife of the Lord is the church, you and I. Okay? In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 26, it says it emphatically that we are the wife, we are the bride of the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it, that he might cleanse it. He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself without, uh, to, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. He was talking about the church. So when he says that the wife of the Lord has made herself ready, he's talking about you and I. Are you seeing it? Okay. Go back to Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. We just read verse 7. Go to verse 8 now. And to her, to the church was granted that she should be arrayed in what? In fine lining, clean and white. For the fine lining is the righteousness of saints. Or the righteousness of saints. So he's talking about the saints. Isn't it? Now go down to verse 14. Go down to verse 14. The Bible says, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. What were they wearing? Clothed in fine lining, white and clean. Who are clothed in fine lining, white and clean? The saints, the wife of the Lord. Isn't it? So he will come with them. With you and I. When we die, we'll be with them. And when, we, when he's coming, we'll come with them. When you're raptured, you'll be raptured, you go with them. And then you come with them on that day. The Bible says that if the devil had known that by crucifying Jesus, all this would have happened, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If he had known, he wouldn't. You think that he would have done that? If he had known that if he kills Jesus. Because he is the one who killed you. He, he administered the death of Christ. Jesus said, now is the time of darkness. Now is the time of darkness. Now is the hour for the, for, the, for the prince of this world to feel free and do whatever he wants to do. He gave himself and they killed him. Pilate and the children of Israel, as assisted by the rulers of the synagogue, crucified him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But they didn't do it on their own. There were spiritual forces that were with them. Jesus was an, was an innocent man. He hadn't done anything wrong, but they crucified him. Hallelujah. The Bible says that, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 8, it says, Which none of the prince of this world knew, for had they known it. Go up, go to verse 7. We don't know what you're talking about. But we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Have we seen it? Then he says, This wisdom none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they had known, they would not have. So the devil was in the plan of God, and he didn't know it. Sometimes the devil is doing some wild things around you, putting you into trouble, doing all kinds of things. He doesn't know that he's in the will of God. When everything shows up, he'll feel used. Ah, it's like God has used me. That was how he felt in this case. And that's how he'll feel in your own case as well. So fear not. Tell him about fear not. Fret not. Relax. Things are working together for your good. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God. To the good of them who are the called according to his purpose. 
Do you love God? Do you love God? If you love God, which God knows you do. If you didn't love God, you'd be here. If you didn't love God, you wouldn't feel bad when you do something wrong. You'd have snubbed God and insulted God and gone away. Because people do that. People snub God and insult God and go away. But you don't do such things. You love God. It says that we know. As a knowing, as a consciousness, we are aware of the fact that all things are working together for my good, for the good of them who love God, for the good of them who are called according to his purpose. It cannot go against you. You cannot be disadvantaged. See, I'm not disadvantaged in any way. Do you, do you understand what you're saying? I cannot be disadvantaged. You applied for a school, they refused you. And so what? It's not the end of life. It makes no difference. Better ones are coming. Bigger ones are coming. If something didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen, it makes no difference. Don't be sitting down. God doesn't like me. God doesn't like me at all. You'll see what I'll do. I'll show him where power lies. God, sometimes some people are doing something, they want God to do, like they want it to really happen. Then you'll say, God, this is your last chance. If you don't do this for me, forget about it. I'll not follow you again. Rather, it makes no difference what you think or what you feel. God is God. Whether you like it or not. But he's got you covered. He's got, God has got you covered. It's all working together for good. Do you see? You see, we are not told how to grieve. Last week I said it. We are not told, if you read the Bible, we are not told, if you want to grieve, number one, do this, number two, do, do that. There's nothing like that because death is not the end of life. Death is a means for resurrection. Without death, the resurrection cannot happen. Jesus had to die and resurrect. Isn't it? So for Christians, death is not the end. The Bible says that if in this world we only had if in only in this world we had hope, we, we are of all men most miserable. That's in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse, verse 12, I think. So death is not the end. The most important thing is that you give your life to Christ. And you live according to the purpose of God for your life here on earth. That is the most important thing. The earth we are walking in has had many people coming. They are not here. One day you two will not be here. It's a reality that people don't want to think about. Do you think about death? Have you ever wondered how you would die? Whether it be by beheading or by accident or by sleeping and then not coming back. Nobody thinks about those things. If you think about those things, you'll be strange, isn't it? But every now and then you should think about it. That one day I'll not be here. You must, you must live like a dying man. You'll be very wise if you live like that. I've lived like that for a very long time. I, I got to know what I'm telling you now when I was 18. That was when I started thinking about death in a certain way. I'm not saying I'm going to die. I'm the same person who says death is mine. Yeah. The future is, I'm not dying. I'll, be, I'll pass 90. God has showed it to me. I'll be 90 and above. If you, if you hear that something has happened, oh, Pastor, he's not dying. <laughs> no, that I'm coming back right now. Just, what, God showed it to me. I was 20. I was sitting down in front of my mother's shop. And God showed it to me. You'll be 90 this. I saw it, 90 something. I'll tell you. It's between me and God. But God showed it to me. So I know I'm going to be here for a long time. You'll see me for a very long time. So if you want my position, maybe you'll die before me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you die before me. You never know. Maybe I'll come for a burial service. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. see. <laughs> but when you think like a dying man, when you have it in your mind that one day I'm not going to be here, you are informed to do things. 
and to do things right. You are informed to be a life builder instead of a life wrecker. You will not destroy lives. You will build lives because you know that your, 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 your reward in heaven is based on what you do for people. How you raise people in the Lord. So important. Okay? That is what has informed me. I, I have that in my mind every time. One day I'll not be here. I'm not going to be here forever. One day I'll not be here. It's something I think about. Ask anybody, do you think about such things? Tell anybody, be wise. Think about such things. It's very important to do. Yeah. Very, very important to do. Because one day you'll be judged. There was a day I had a revelation. And God told me this. He said that, as you are living right now, what you are doing right now, what you are seeing right now, is actually a movie that you are being shown in heaven. You are actually in heaven. They are showing you your movie. When you die, the movie ends. Then they, they, they judge, okay, so you did this, you did that. Okay, powerful. Then everything is summed up. So, how are you going to act the movie? Do you understand? As you are, right now, as we are here, we are actually all in heaven. It's the Bible. The Bible says that we've been brought into heaven. We, you won't go to heaven one day. You are already there now. One day you will appear there. You see the reality of it. It will become obvious to your physical eye, which is actually your spiritual eye, and you have your physical self there, physically. Okay? But doctrinally speaking and spiritually speaking, in terms of our positioning and our sitting, we are actually in heaven already. It's in the Bible. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, for our conversation is what? Do you understand that? Let's read the Amplified so it makes more sense, okay? It says, but we are citizens of the state, commonwealth, homeland, which is in heaven. We are what? We are what? Are you a citizen of Ghana? Yes. You are in Ghana, isn't it? Now, if you travel, my wife is, in, is going to South Africa right now. When she gets to South Africa, does that change her citizenship to become South African? No. She's still Ghanaian, isn't it? Her location is different, but she's still from Ghana. Is it true? Yeah. Will she behave like a South African when she goes? She will still behave like a Ghanaian, isn't it? The way she will do her things, everything. She will not be speaking the South. She will not be speaking Nosa. <laughs> no, you don't know Nosa. Billy. They have in their, in their language other Africans or uh, you know, those things, Swahili and all that. Uh, there was a story about this guy who went to South Africa, American who went to South Africa. He went to a casino, was playing cards. And the guy, his attendant, the one who was serving the cards, name was on his tag, on his shirt like that. And the spelling of his name was exclamation sign. <laughs> exclamation. X B I L L A Y. How do you pronounce it? No. Up, up, the name begins with exclamation. Exclamation sign. You know exclamation sign, right? Huh. Exclamation X uh, O B I L L E Y. So the white one was just wondering, like, he wanted to mention mention the guy's name. So the guy, the guy was serving the cards. He said, he, he said, Zobile. You know, exclamation means that you have to be excited when you have, you have to shout it. And the guy said, please, you don't mention my name like that. It's Billy. <laughs> so yes, Billy, Billy. Hey. So the fact that you are here 
in Ghana, walking around, does not mean that you are from here. Our, the Bible says that our citizenship is in heaven. Even though we are sitting here on the physical earth, our citizenship is actually in heaven. We come from heaven. The word born again means to come from above. That's what it means. Jesus said that a certain man is born again. The word born again is from two Greek words. Genao and Anoden. In John chapter 3, you see it there. John chapter 3, verse uh, 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, A certain man be born of water and of the Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Go to verse 3. Verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There are only two places in the Bible where the word born again is used. This place in John 3, 3, and then in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God that lives and abides forever. And the Greek word, if you check the Greek word, it's from two words. Genao. Genao is J-E-N-N-A-O. The O has an apostrophe on it, a dash on it. Okay? Genao means to be born or to hail, or to originate. That's what it means. Anoden is spelled A-N-N-O-D-E-N, with an apostrophe on the E. Anoden. It also means from heaven, or from above. So when they say someone is born again, what they're actually saying is that the person is born from heaven. Are you seeing it? See, I'm born from heaven. So if you're a child of God, you are actually born from heaven. If you're born from heaven, what is your citizenship? Is it not heaven? Does your location change? Your location is still in heaven. If you are born there, it means that you do all that, you live there. We live in heaven. We, you, you are not going to, you live in heaven. Right now, so you are living, sitting here right now, you are sitting in heaven. Jesus gave us a classical example of his own life. Let me show it to you. John chapter 3. Look at John chapter 3. Let's read verse 8 and 9. Okay? Jesus, this is Jesus talking. He says, The wind blows where it listed, or where it wails. And you hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell where it is coming from and where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Since everyone who is born of the Spirit is like the wind. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto him, Are thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto you, We speak that we do know. This is Jesus talking. And testify that we have seen. And you receive not our witness. Verse 12. If I have told you earthly things, if I have spoken of earthly things, how, and, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Then he told him one heavenly thing. Says, and no man has what? Read it, read it to me. I want you to read it to me. John chapter 3, verse 13. One, two, go. Hmm? Read it again. How do you understand it? Was there a mistake? If you read NIV, he will give you another thing because he thinks it's a mistake. And there are a lot of versions that will not write it like this. Uh huh. Look at this one. It says, No, this NIV. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. You see, he didn't add the last part. But if you have an NIV Bible, you write, there will be an apostrophe by the last phrase, the Son of Man. And then you write, the apostrophe will have a definition. If you look down your Bible, down there, you will see they have written, the original rendering has who is from heaven. 
Okay? <laughs> or who lives in heaven? Who is in heaven? Hallelujah. Amplified. And yet no one has ever gone up to heaven. But there is one who has come down from heaven. The son of man himself. Who, who is? Dwells. Has his home in heaven. Jesus was sitting here on earth. He was talking to Nicodemus. And he says that. The son of man who what? He says no man has ever come from. Let's read the, the King James. So we understand it. No one has ever gone into heaven. The question. Where did Elijah go? Where did he not go? Where did Moses go? That's why I told you they didn't go to the heaven of heavens. You get it? Because Jesus came to tell us that no man has ever ascended. Jesus cannot lie. Jesus is God, isn't it? This and no man has ascended up to heaven. No man. I know Muslims who use this and say that you say that Elijah was taken to heaven. You say that there are three different heaven. There are seven actually. There are seven heavens. Seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven levels. Are devils dwelling in heaven? Are the devils dwelling in heaven? They are dwelling in heaven. The devils are dwelling in heaven. They are spirits and devils in heavenly places. Which heaven is that? Is it the heaven where God is also living? Vertically. Okay, let me show you a scripture. Go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I'm answering some of the questions you would have asked. Okay. I, I asked it and I answered it. Answer. It's finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole arm of God that you may stand, be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Then he says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of what? The rulers of the... So these are not good spirits, isn't it? Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness. Where? In high places. The word high places is actually heavenly places. Amplified. Let's show the Amplified. Against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. Which heaven is that? Okay, there are other places where he talks about principalities and powers and darkness in heavenly places. And look, look for it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Look at Ephesians 3 10. So, which heaven is that? Have you ever read in the, in the Bible concerning Daniel? Daniel prayed. His prayer went to heaven. God answered it. When God answered the prayer and the prayer was coming down. The angel was bringing the prayer to him. There were forces, demonic forces that Prince of Persia, whatever, Prince of Grisha, all those people who have held him for 21 long days and said that they will not let him come down. Is it, are they still there? Emphatically, yes. Do they prevent people from coming down? Right there? Ephesians 3, says, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church that manifold was of God. This one, there are positive heaven, principalities and powers and negative principality and powers. Michael is a principality. He's a power. Gabriel is a principality. He's a power. Satan is also a principality. He's also a power. But there are other principalities and powers. Okay? There's a prince of Ghana. There's a power of Ghana. There's a demonic power of Ghana. He's in charge of the country. All the bad things that happen in the country, they contact him before it can happen. Yes. If he attacks you, something will happen. Something bad will happen. Am I scaring you? But there's also a positive principality and power for the country. Yes. Which one you yield yourself to is your own business. Other, you can find other places, uh, heavenly places. They are all for good. Which one do you have? Yeah, Ephesians 1.20 is very good. 
Go to Ephesians 1.20. Let's read from verse 19 so that it makes more sense, okay? And what is the exceeding Paul is praying that you understand what is the exceeding greatness of God's power, okay? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? God's power to us what towards us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked or wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. This is set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places, meaning that God is also in the heavenly places, isn't it? But in the heavenly places, there are other things. Look at the next place. Next verse. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. So there are principalities and powers also in the heavenly, bad ones also in the heavenly places. So there are different heavens, okay? There's a heaven of our world, the one here, the clouds. It's also called heaven. When you say, oh, heaven, the, 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 this, oh, these are the heavens. What you are pointing to is not actually the heaven. It's just firmaments. Okay? When the people were going to space, they didn't see heaven when they went. They didn't see it. It's not that they've gone to space. They've done space uh, explorations and all that. They've gone to the moon. They cannot go to the sun. I don't think they went to the sun. Nobody can get close to the sun. You die. They went to the moon. They've gone to Mars. Gone to, but they don't, they've not yet seen heaven. So there's a heaven of our world. There's a heaven of, there's a heaven of this heaven. Then there's another heaven. There's a third heaven, a fourth heaven, a fifth heaven, a sixth heaven, and a seventh heaven. Okay? The first two are physical. You can see them. This one and the one that expands above where the stars are and where the whatever is. Okay? Which we call space. It's also called heaven. Outer space. It's also called heaven. It's, it's heaven. That's the second heaven. But there's another heaven, the third heaven, where spirits lie and live. Which spirits? Wicked spirits live there. Then there's a fourth heaven. From the fourth heaven going is the heaven of our God. You understand? Before the devil's fall, the devil was in the fourth heaven. And he was taken from the fourth to the third. He desecrated the fourth. So Jesus' blood had to be used to cleanse the fourth. And he was reduced to earth. It's complicated. Let me not talk about it too much. Hallelujah. But Jesus said, no man has ever ascended to heaven. Is the son of man who is from heaven. Then he says, who is also in heaven? Who is still in heaven? Even though Jesus was still sitting on, here on earth, he said he was in heaven. So that not, it's, it's like his tautology, it's like it's, some, it's madness. But he was telling the truth. Because he, heaven is a, it's not only a place. Heaven is not only a location or a place. Heaven is a state as well. So you can be in a state of heaven. Okay? Say heaven... It's not only a place, but a state. Or an atmosphere. It's a state and a location and a place as well. So even though your physical location, your physical location is not in heaven, your spiritual location is in heaven. And therefore you can enjoy the state of heaven whilst on earth. Thank, thank you, Pastor. Even naturally, you could have some people from a locality travel to a different country and colonize the place and make the place look like. I don't know whether you've seen, uh, Louane has a, a recent video, a funny video going around. He's in France. And if he doesn't tell you it is France, you may think it is Makola. Or even in um, London, when you get around Peckham area, there's a place like that. You may think you're in Kijitia. 
like asafu the way the fish um the uh, the cold store things are lying on the street kako just like that Ghanians, because there are so many Ghanians there so you are there speaking to everything so you may think you are exactly they have they have sent kjtia from here to uh-huh exactly that place get your more and your kako everything that you want Hallelujah. I even think in terms of this. The American embassy is not part of Ghana. All the land in the American embassy is not for Ghana. It's for America. If you like, go and we by the walls, you see what will happen to you. You will be surprised. Everything. You don't take picture. You don't take any of those things. Every, the whole place. So they welcome you to America when you, take, when you get a visa. They say, you're welcome to America. When they give their visa to you, they say, you're welcome to America. You are, because you are in America. <laughs> yeah. They don't live according the conditions there are not the conditions of Ghana. They don't know when tomato prices are increased in the country. They don't know. They celebrate the holidays of America celebrated there. Everything, Thanksgiving, BBR is this there. You have everything happening live over there. Same with the UK consulate. Same thing. The Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ. So wherever you are, we are an expression of a heaven. Eh? There's this interesting scripture. I don't know what I should share it with you. It's very nice. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Maybe some other time. Yeah, it will take us, maybe I'll end up talking for another 30 minutes just to help you understand the variable. So I don't want to start something we cannot end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, our lives must be lived in a very, knowing that you, are, you have purpose. There's something, there's a reason for your existence. Because one day you will not be here. Look at your neighbor's face. Tell him one day you will not be here. When I ask your neighbor, when are you going? It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing. It's very serious. Yeah. So live your life with that in mind. Live your life with that in mind. If you if you take that out of your mind, you will live anyhow. You live it. It's wisdom to think and live like what I'm telling you now. Yeah. So that you order your steps. When you get a scholarship from a lady, lady has scholarship, Charlie. Free, like free bunto, something. You just, just enjoy yourself and forget it. Remember that you are standing before God. I'm judging you. What will you do in this movie? How will you act the movie out? When you die now, everything is closed. Okay. So have you seen your movie? Have you seen yourself? Yeah, because nobody knows, nobody knows you, really. People will say, well, I know you. You are lying. Nobody knows nobody. You know we don't know you. You know yourself. Nobody knows you more than you do. Is it true? You know when you're alone, when you're alone in your room, you know yourself. You know. Nobody is there. Your friends are not there. Your mother is not. Nobody is there. You are there alone. The only group of people who see you our God and the Son Jesus Christ with the angels. The demons are also seeing you. Those are the so you're actually not alone. Your aloneness is actually with the cloud of witnesses. They are all watching you, they are all looking. So what will this Babylon do? What will this guy what will this guy do at this point? They are all watching you. And you are also watching your own self. Yeah, so when God should I realize it's very true. It's very, 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 very true. What will you, what? Yeah, you're just watching. Heaven TV. Like that. 
uh, uh, Adelita. What would Adelita do at this point in time? <laughs> they are watching. And as soon as you die, it ends. And then they, they give the verdict. Okay. Now, as a child of God, the verdict will not be to go to hell. You are now, you've left hell already. By God's grace, thank God you're out of hell. But the verdict is now your rewards. What are you going to get? Are you going to get rewards for living your life positively or living negatively? You see, he will judge you as to how you lived according to or lived in your body. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Let's look at it. He says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of what? This judgment seat is different from the judgment seat in, Rome, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. There are so many seats that God has. God has plenty seats. That's his son. Do you have only one seat in your house? God has, oh God, so God doesn't have one. He also has more. Okay? Right now, as we are talking, God is sitting on a certain seat. It's called the seat of mercy. Okay? He's sitting on a throne called the throne of grace and of mercy. That is found in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. 14, 15, 16. Let's read it. Hebrews 4, 14, 15, 16. The scene then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heaven. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like us. We are yet without sin. Verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of what? Unto the throne of grace. That a throne is a seat. Unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So right now as we are talking, God is sitting on a seat called grace. The seat he sits on determines what he's doing at that particular time. Meaning that right now he's seated on a seat of grace. Meaning that he's dishing out grace. What is grace? Grace is God helping you. Grace is God in working in you to produce the results he wants you to produce. So right now God is not against you. Can you imagine? God is there and exists for your benefits to help you. Isn't that exciting to know? He's, he wants to help you in your job. He wants to help you in your business. In every single thing that you're doing. That's what God is there for. He's sitting in a seat of grace. Administering help for you. So he says, let us come boldly to that throne of grace. So that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Need. In, time, in the exact time when you need, you need help. God is there to help you. That's what he's sitting on. It's a seat, it, the, the same seat is the seat of mercy. He's sitting on a, a seat of mercy. He's always giving you mercy. When you do wrong, so mercy, don't worry. Don't worry, don't mind, don't mind, don't mind Jesus is Lord. That's what he's doing now. But there's a day coming when he will sit on another seat. When it comes to you. He will sit on an, another seat called the seat, the judgment seat of Christ. What, is, what will he be doing when he sits on that seat? For we must all appear before the judgment. This time it calls judgment. Judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body. According to that he has done. Whether it be good or bad. He says he will give you. He says that everyone will receive the things done in his body. Are you saying it? So it's a judgment seat. He will, the day he sits on that seat. He's going to be judging you. For what purpose? You that you are a child of God now. When he sits on that seat. He will be judging you to give you rewards. Whether you did good or bad. If you did bad, what will happen? Let's look at the first Corinthians chapter 3. I want to show it to you. Do you want to see it? First Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read from verse 9. No, it's too long. Go to verse 11. Verse 13. Verse 12. Verse 11. Go to verse 11. 
I want it to make sense for you. Okay? I don't want to be from a place where you don't know. He says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation that we have is Jesus Christ. Now, he says that now if any man build upon this foundation, now you are in Christ, isn't it? Are you a child of God? Yes. Ask anybody, are you a child of God? Yes. Give me a wave if you're a child of God. All right. Okay, now that you're a child of God, you have been planted on a certain foundation. The foundation is called Christ. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus spoke about building of your, your house on a rock or on a sand. The rock is called Christ. Hmm? When Jesus said that, when Jesus told Peter that uh, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, and I say unto thou, Peter, and upon this rock shall I build my church, and the gates of hell shall, it says, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The word rock there is actually, was actually in reference to Christ. Peter said that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said that upon this revelation shall I build my church. Who's the church? You and I are the church. Okay? So when you become born again, you are planted into Christ. Now that you are in Christ, you must you are building, whether you know it or not. Everybody's building. That's the thing. You are building your own house. Your own spiritual house. You are building. Tell me, but you are building your own house. Which one do you prefer? Three bedroom house? Four bedroom house? Or you want a semi-detached house? Tell him, or oh, you want a semi-detached house? You want a house with a hat. You know, a hat. You, you want to dwell in a hat. When it comes to Christianity, it's not a matter of hell and heaven. That has been settled. Now that you are born again, that has been settled. Now you are in heaven. Now how you live in heaven is what matters. Are you getting it? What are, you, what's, what are you going to build? Are you going to build with wood, with hay, or with stubble? Or are you going to build your house with with gold, with silver, and precious stones. What are you going to do? It's all in your hand. You think we are fools when we are preaching to you and building the church? I'm not a fool. I'm not doing this because I want money. Brother, I am rich. I have my, I have, I've helped the church too many times. Not understand what I'm saying. God, may God forgive me for what I'm saying. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is that I give more than the church will give to me. You understand? Yeah, 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 yeah. Plenty times. I'm a giver. I'm not that kind of person who, if I were like that, would not go to church. I'll buy four, four land cruises. Blue. If I'll just, if one blue, when I wear blue, I'll wear, I'll drive that car. And I'll buy green. When I wear green, I'll buy, I'll drive that car. And I'll buy black. When I wear black, I'll drive that one. I'll buy white. White. I like white. I'll buy white. When I wear white, I drive the white car. And there'll be more left, more money left. So I'll use it to do something. I'll build a big house, and I'll be inside. Yeah, when you're passing by, I'll say, oh, praise the Lord, oh. <laughs> hallelujah, and then you pass by. I wouldn't build the house of God. I would not do all those things that I'm doing. Oh, no, not at all. I'm doing them not because I want, I want rewards. That is why I'm doing what I'm doing. I know what's at stake. You see, we visit you in your rooms. We visit you around. I tell you, how are you doing? I'm close from church. We'll be talking to you. What's going on? I hope everything is fine. We take care of you. There are plenty of people in the church. We take care of everyday problems. Sometimes when I sleep, someone just call. Hey, pastor. I'll not say, go away. Go and tell somebody else. No, I'll still handle your problem for you. Isn't it? Why am I doing that? I know that's a day coming. When what I'm doing is what to be converted to gold, silver, or pressure. It's there. It's now, if any man build upon this foundation, which is Christ, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. You know wood. You know wood, right? What is hay? 
Hay is what? Hay is like straw. How about stubble? Stubble. Hmm? A stalk of green. Let's say sawdust. You see, wood is better than sawdust. Isn't it? Sawdust. You, see, you, can, use, you can use sawdust to build your building in heaven. Or you can use wood to build your building in heaven. Or you can use grass. Dry grass, like the ones we have out there. You see that there's dry grass out there. You can use that to build your building. You know you can use that to build. But the unfortunate thing is that the judgment that we go through is fire. The judgment is fire. It's fire judgment. The angels will be standing there <laughs> with a fire mask on, with a gas fire behind them. With you see, the, you know what I'm talking about. And they will just be fire, they will just be testing. They will be testing your your building. Whether it will burn or not. <laughs> what will you do if <laughs> yours is wood, hay, and stubble? Immediately you put your hand on your head. You wouldn't have a place in heaven. It says, Every man's work shall be made manifest. Every man's work, every man's doings will be made manifest. For the day shall declare it. That day of judgment shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. What will happen to you when you have wood? It will burn. Hey, it will burn. Sawdust, it will burn. But gold will be refined. Gold, when, when gold goes through fire, what happens? It becomes nicer, better, refined. If silver goes through fire, same thing. Better, nicer. Precious stones. Precious stones were made out of fire. When they meet fire, they, they, it's made out of pressure, fire, and all that. When, they come, when the fire touches them, they become nicer. So if your building is made up of gold, silver, precious stones, when they are burning it, <laughs> continue, proceed. <laughs> yeah, proceed without any further caution. Oh. And you Michael, burn it. More fire, and more fire, and more fire. <laughs> hey. What is a work of gold? A work of gold is a, your doings out of, out of love, out of the divine life that is in you. Hmm? Yeah. Someone asks for something, you give the person out of your heart, not as you are giving to the person, you are seeing in your head. These people, every time, every time you are coming for sense, look at this. But outside, you are smiling. But in your head. So even though you have done good and the person is grateful and is gone, you, you will not get any. What you have done, you have just invested wood into your, your building. You just, just put wood inside. Just put hay, stubble, something foolish. Grass, grass ceiling. You're just, you're just done grass ceiling. Hey. What is silver? Second Corinthians five ten amplified. Okay, let's look at it. That was what we were reading before, isn't it? Second Corinthians five ten amplified. For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive his pay. According to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been. Have you seen it? Your purpose and your motive have been. And what he has achieved, been busy with, and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. Well, if you are just moving around doing foolish, you are not. This is what will happen on that day. What you have been busy with. And what you have given yourself and your attention to accomplishing. Hey! 
If all your life you wanted to marry, you just marry, you just give birth. Yeah, you're just, they're just there. Listen, the work of the ministry, it's for everybody. Preaching, teaching, healing, gathering people, bringing people to church. You shouldn't wait for us to tell you, bring someone to church. You should be moving around, just bring somebody to church. On that day to be reviewed. You can be in church for 20 years or 40 years. If you don't engage yourself in the work of the ministry, you, are just, you just wasted your life. You will be in heaven, but you will be naked. Listen, the fact that you're in heaven, there are people who are he- naked in heaven. There are different le- I just told you there are different levels in heaven, isn't it? Now, even in the last of the heavens, there are locations in heaven, different locations. Are we all in Kumasi? Are we in Kumasi right now? We are in Kumasi, isn't it? Which area is this? Are there nice areas in Kumasi? Where are the nice areas? Asokwa, Ahonjo, Dabai, Denyame, Otapiedu. Atasumanso, Ishiaeso. What? Esreso. Esreso cannot be part of it. You know, you know yourself. What are the somewhere areas? There are middle, there are middle areas. Buedi can be part of middle and a middle area, isn't it? Apiedu can be part of a middle area. New sites, middle area, middle class. Asafo, Asafo is not middle class. Asafo is zongo, 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 zongo. Eija is zongo to the back. There are zongos all over the place, isn't it? Are there people living there? Uh-huh. Are we all not in Kumase? Okay, so in the same way in heaven, we've all been in heaven, but there are areas in heaven. There are areas in heaven. Your soul winning efforts and your soul discipling and follow up, like discipling and raising people in the Lord, buys you a land in heaven. Where, which area will your land be? It can either be at Trasaco in heaven or cantonments, AU village, something. Oh, yeah. Depending on where you. And where you buy your land even determines the kind of building you're going to build. Is it true? So if I were you, I would be smarter than I am behaving now, isn't it? Yeah. Start bringing people to church. Don't wait for us. They bring someone to church. No. Get engaged. Our job is to help you, aid you, to get that done. Teach you how it's done. Then you do it. Okay? Yeah. Outer darkness, a place where it's in heaven, seven by it's dark. So good. one pastor from Korea. Maybe I'll play the video for you some other time. South, Af- South Korean pastor. He had a big congregation, five thousand people in his church, big church. He had built schools and done so many things. But when he, he had a vision, he, he died briefly and went to heaven. And then you, he was he saw nice houses. Nice house, people's houses. And he was, hey, those are, so this one is for elder, this, deacon, this, pastor, this. Hey! People who have given for the church to be built, done things in the house of the Lord. So he had a lot of hope, like, because he's been a pastor, he's been doing well. So he said they should take him to his house. They said, oh, that is not allowed. You will go back. You are supposed to, you are not dead. You will be going back very soon. So when you come there, you can come and see your house. He said, no! He wants to see his house. He knelt down, slept on the floor, crying, ah, like a baby. Ah, I want to see my house, I want to see my house. They just said, no, 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 no. Then an information came from God that they should let him go and see his house. Then they started, they sat in a, 
in a chariot. He started moving to his where his location. Where's <laughs> started moving to where his land was. Ah. They moved away from all the nice places and they were just going, 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 going. So he asked him, What minute this? What's the meaning of What's going on? Why am I? They said, Oh, your land is inside here. They just took him far away. The place was becoming dark and far away. When they got there, they had he had three, three wood. One, four. One, two, three, four. Standing on a foundation. As pillars. Wood. One, two, three, four. Standing there. And he was like, Ah, what is the meaning of this? I've done all this. I've done all that. I've done. Then the angel quoted the scripture for him. I don't show the scripture. First Corinthians 4, 1, 2, 3. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and still also the mysteries of God. Verse 2. Moreover, it is required in still that a man be found faithful. Verse 3. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Ye, I judge not my own self. Verse 4 is what I really want you to see, okay? For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judged me is the Lord. Verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time. Unto the Lord come. Who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. And will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. Amplify. Let's read Amplified of verse 5. So do not make any hasty or premature judgments before the time when the Lord comes again. For he will both bring to light the secret things that are now hidden in darkness. And disclose and expose the secret aims, hmm? motives, and purposes of hearts. Then and only then will every man receive his due commendation from God. So the fact that you did something good does not mean. I just told you. Yeah. We read it in even the other one. Yeah. The angels quoted this one for him. But the reason why you are doing the church is not correct. You are doing the church because of fame. He wanted to be famous. You know, people were celebrating him. The angels told him that you have received all your reward in, on earth. All your reward, you have received it on earth. You've had people praising you. And when they were praising you, you were taking it to heart. You were saying, I'm doing something for the Lord. I'm doing something. As you are doing that, you are just, re- all the gold that could have come. When the gold comes, you just say, I'm, it's, it's me. It's, then it changes to wood. Then it comes. Like that. And even, even what you did, the wood that you, the wood that you have here, it's because of some few good things that you did. Hey, isn't that amazing? So even though he was doing the work of the Lord, he was not doing it with a good heart. There are many pastors like that, isn't it? They are doing the work of the Lord, but they are not actually doing it for God. They are doing it for themselves. And there are church members who are cleaning the church and doing things and winning souls and doing all that, who are not doing it because of God. They are doing it because they want their pastor to say, how many souls did you bring to church today? Pastor, I brought 17 souls. Wow. Wow. Give, give him a round of applause. Then everybody will clap for you. Blah, 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 blah. It's finished. As they're doing, blah, blah, blah. They're just clapping the gold into <laughs> to wood. They want to do ply, wood, 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 sawdust, wood, sawdust. Hey. This is amazing. Yeah, so do it and don't expect anybody to praise you here on it. On that day, you'll be praised. Do you understand? And so take away pride and all those things. Be humble. Do what you're doing in secret for the Lord. In Jesus' name. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email 
to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.